My son Isaac, and I, I really hate to do this to him because he prayed such a beautiful prayer for me earlier today in the service. And I warned him this was coming. Uh, and I kind of feel bad about it in this moment, but Isaac had been in the United States for about eight hours when he was thrust into one of the most impossible moments for a four-year-old from Ethiopia. He entered into a massive church building full of 600 people who had been made aware of his arrival and who had prayed for him, who had given money so that we could adopt him and Jonah. And in his first Sunday in the United States, was he, he was going to attend church. We had not been in the United States from Ethiopia for eight hours. And we said, yeah, go to church with these two boys and our other four kids. And we, I'm still wondering if that was a mistake because of the cultural shock and for this one moment that happened in Isaac's life. Upon arriving to the church, we tasked uh, Isaac's older brothers with taking him to the restroom. We just said, yeah, here's your new brother. You just met him, you know, eight hours ago. Now take him to the restroom. And Isaac walked into the restroom, and this was the first time he had ever seen a urinal. And for Isaac, he thought that was just a high toilet, and so Isaac began to climb up onto the urinal. Now, I know some of you are like, I can't believe he's telling this story. But his older brothers were supposed to be supervising him. And, and it's, we shouldn't even know that this happened because of what, is, the, what we had told his older brothers to do to supervise him and make sure nothing crazy happens. And so as Isaac climbs up to sit on this urinal, his older brothers began laughing hysterically, as boys do. And not only that, they began to gather others around Isaac, propped up on the urinal in the bathroom, and then going out into the hallway and saying, y'all got to come look at this. This is the craziest thing we've ever seen. Until finally, someone came and got me and said, you know, I think I think the Haskins kids once again need attention in the church building. And a similar moment happened when our kids were small. I was baptizing someone in the church baptistry at Ashland Avenue Baptist Church. And if you've been there, you know the, the baptistry is sort of jutted out into the worship center and all the spotlights are shining on the baptistry when there's a baptism. And as I was baptizing someone, I was talking about the importance of baptism and what we are doing here. And, and I noticed on the front row some, some fighting, a scuffle on the front row. And I couldn't tell where the blows were landing because of the spotlight in my eye. All I could see were hands smacking and flying and a head kind of dodging and all I knew in that moment was Anna must be really fired up about something Nathan has done to her because she was wailing on him in the front row. And this was odd for our, our sweet Anna. It wasn't so odd for Nathan, who is known for provoking everyone to anger at times. Uh, but the spotlights, it, it, it would have been okay if I was up here and, and there was the 
the, the trough and there were no spotlights and you wouldn't be able to see what was going on. But the spotlights hit the front row and so my whole family sat on the front row every Sunday and there are my kids fighting on the front row. And so I tell you two of the most embarrassing moments in our lives as parents where it's on full display and everyone sees how crazy and wild and insane the pastor's kids are. Parenting can be embarrassing. And in pastoral ministry at times, it can be very embarrassing because your kids are on display so much. But in the embarrassment, so often we forget to see the progress. And I'm happy to say Isaac no longer misuses the urinals. I know Glenn's happy for that. And Anna has self-control and worship, and they both learned that a few years ago. <laughs> but, but as parents, I think it's important at times to look back and just see progress and realize your most embarrassing moments are not ultimately the only moments. And, and, and I think that's what God teaches us here in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. He does outline what, what parenting is to look like. But, but as we'll find, we see that it is about progress. It is about a process that we are involved with and that this happens over time. But for us to see the process, I think we need to, first of all, understand what parenting is about. First of all, it's about Jesus, the Lord. Notice verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children are to acknowledge the authority of the parents in the home. They are to obey. This word means to hear and do. To listen to what the parents are saying and then actually do it for their good. Now remember, Paul is establishing authority in the home. And he has said that the husband is authority. He is head of the wife, and he is to use his authority for her good, to sacrificially love her. And here is he, he's establishing parents as an authority in the home. They are an authority in the home. Notice, he says, obey your parents in the Lord. This obedience is set apart under the authority of Christ. Children under the authority of the Lord are to obey their parents. The family itself is to be set apart under the authority of Christ. This is one of the things that Paul is teaching in Ephesians, that all things are summed up under the authority of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And this includes your family. Your family is to be set apart under the authority and rule of the Lord. And this means under the rule of the Lord, children have a command to obey the authority of their parents. And notice he says this is right, meaning this is God's design. This is the way God has made it for the home. Now, what is assumed here is that the parents are in the Lord. The parents are in the Lord. And that the child is not ultimately obeying the parents, but by, by obeying the parents who are in the Lord, and they are obeying the Lord as they obey their parents, they are actually obeying the Lord. The Lord is their God-given authority. 
And as they follow their parents, they are following the Lord, which first of all means for parents, there is a gravity to parenting. Your children are to know and follow the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ by knowing and following you. Are you following the Lord? Are you in the Lord? There is a distinctly Christian order to this relationship. And for the parents here today, you have to first of all ask that question. Am I set apart to the authority of the Lord? Because if I don't start there, anything I ask my kids to do, is that going to be in the Lord? Is that going to be good? Is that going to be right for them in the Lord? I am the filter for the Lord's command in their life as they are children. Am I seeking to honor the Lord? So some questions you can ask is, what? What, why? The why of parenting. Why do I want obedience from my children? Do I want obedient children just because that would be easier? Or is it because I am in the Lord and I want them to be in the Lord and their souls are at stake in what's going on here? I want them to see and know the Lord through their obedience. Am I parenting to be liked or for the glory of Christ? Is, is, is my parenting about fear of God? And God has given me this life and this soul of this child. And what I lead them to has eternal consequences. What is going on here? Is it temporary ease or comfort? Or is this about the glory of the Lord? And one of the questions you need to ask as parents, and it it may sound odd at first, but it's what Paul is getting at here, is in, in, in obeying me, are they obeying the Lord? When you're asking your kids to do something, when you are instilling in them hopes and dreams and goals, as they listen to you as the authority in their life is what you are calling to them, what you are, what you are selling them on as, as the vision for their life, if they buy into it, if they buy into it, is it going to be about the Lord or is it just about you and what you want for them? Money, academics, athletics, good morals, yes ma'am, no ma'am. You, you, they can obey all of those things and go to hell. Are those the only things that you want from them? Or when you start and you say, God has given me the life of these kids, my priority is that they obey the Lord. I have to be in the Lord and know what the Lord is saying to me so that I can lead them in the Lord. That's where we start. It is about the Lord. It is about Jesus. But it's also for the gospel. Notice as the text continues, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Here Paul goes back and he refers to the Ten Commandments and this all-important commandment to honor father and mother that was given to Israel. And he invokes this commandment here. In the context of the church, in light of the gospel, he invokes this command that was given to the children of Israel, honor your father and mother, that was given to the nation of Israel, that they would honor father and mother. He says, this is something children have been asked to do in the community of faith all along, is to honor father 
and mother. And why? Notice, he says it is the first commandment with a promise, with a commitment that if you do honor your father and mother, there is a blessing from God that comes with it. And what is it? That it may go well with you in the land and that you may live long in the land. And so children were to understand from the very beginning, if they honored the, the authority of mother and father in their life, there was a blessing that came with that. That it was just, at the very beginning, initially, there was to be an understanding it is right and it is good to, to honor father and mother as authority. God delights in that. God is committed to that. God will bless that. But specifically, what did it mean? The, the blessing did not end on the child, but on Israel. It wasn't for the individual child. Ultimately, it was for all of Israel. Because as long as Israel obeyed the Lord, his presence rested with them in the land. God said, I'm going to give you the promised land, and I'm going to be there with you. And what you have to do is obey my commands, obey my laws, trust me, listen to me, obey me. And as long as you do that, I will be with you in the land. But we know when they disobeyed and they drifted into idolatry, what did God do? He kicked them out of the land. They were in captivity because they did not obey the Lord. They did not obey God's laws. And so to stay in the land, to stay in the land forever, we might say, the children of Israel had to listen to the laws that their parents were passing down. The commandments of the Lord that their parents were passing down to them, they had to listen to them and obey them so that they would live under the blessing of the Lord in the land. And so this promise was multiplied and reproduced, and it was supposed to be handed down for generation after generation after generation as the parents handed the laws of the Lord down to their children, and they would stay in the land. So ultimately, it was a blessing for Israel as a whole. Generation upon generation, it would go well with them in the land. But why does Paul bring it up here in the context of the church? Well, this promise of blessing in the land always pointed to a greater promise. Jesus fulfilled this command, honor father and mother. For, for those of us who can't perfectly honor father and mother, for those of us who have failed in the commandments of the Lord disobeyed the Lord. Jesus honored his father in our place. And when we believe in him and his fulfillment of this law, we are covered in his righteousness and we will live with God forever. It will go well with us forever. And so what Paul is getting at here is, is you're not just passing down a command to your children. You are passing down the fulfillment of the command to your children. That Jesus has fulfilled this law for it. And so you as parents are to pass down the blessing that Jesus, the one who has fulfilled the law, has died for our sins on the cross, lived a perfect life, has been raised up. He is ultimately the blessing of this law that comes to us. And so today as children honor father and mother as they listen not just to their rules, but to their promises that are fulfilled in Christ as they honor their faith in Christ, 
as they make it their own, it will go well with them forever. Do you see how that works out? Israel, the children were to honor the laws that were passed down. In the context of the church, our children are to honor the faith that we are passing down to them. This is how this is fulfilled in the context of the church. And so I want you to ask yourself this question, parents. If your children honor your faith, if they see what you really believe, what you are really passing down to them, will it go well with them for eternity? What you really believe in, what you really value, what you're communicating to them is, is important. What, 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 what you would call them to honor in your life. What you would require of them. In their minds, if they fulfilled all of your hopes and dreams for them, would they end up in heaven? Would they know Jesus? Or could they make you happy by doing a bunch of other things and maybe just tacking Jesus on the side if he's convenient? Are you passing down a faith to them? Are they honoring a faith that at the heart is Jesus, at the heart of all things is, is the Christ who has died for their sins, who is raised from the dead and has purchased their life with their blood? What do you want for them? What is it that you are primarily passing down to them? You see, there was a gravity to the law that was handed down to Israel. The whole community was formed around the law. You couldn't get past it. Parents were to talk about it at all times. When you sit, when you rise, when you're walking by the way. And the same thing is to happen in our lives with the gospel. The same thing is to happen in our lives with our faith and our children are to see it and not be repelled by our faith. Sometimes our children see our faith and it makes us miserable. Oh, that's something else we got to do for the church. Oh, that's a burden that we got to be a part of. They're not going to honor that kind of faith. Do, are you clearly articulating the gospel for them? And we say this a lot around here because it's the most simple way that you can talk to your child about the gospel. And it's this. Tell them how you became a Christian. Tell them how you came to faith in Christ. Tell them how you were saved from your sins by believing the gospel. Are you clearly living in the gospel before them? Do your children ever see you confess and repent of your own sin? Do, do they see you struggle maybe with anxiety? Do, do they see you vent maybe in anger? Maybe lash out in the home? And dads, do your, do your, do your kids ever see you call everybody in and say, you know what, that was wrong of me. I, I sinned before our family. And I need to ask your forgiveness. I've confessed this sin to God. And he has forgiven me of this sin in Christ. But I need you to see the gospel. I need you to see that. 
That, that is a faith that your children will honor. If, if they are honoring you, are they honoring that kind of faith? Do they see it? Notice, as the text continues, Paul zeroes in here on fathers. This is about the Lord, about Jesus. It is about the gospel. And then it is about fatherly love. Notice he says fathers. Now, this is a crucial point where gender is crucial in the Bible. God creates men, and he gives them the responsibility to be fathers. He gives us specific roles as men in the home to be fathers. And he zeroes in on dads here when it comes to parenting. Because dads are primary when it comes to parenting in the home. And dads have a specific gospel witness with their kids in the home. Think about when we were talking about husbands and wives. The husband has a responsibility to declare the gospel has a gospel witness in loving his wife as Christ loved the church. Well, fathers have the same responsibility in loving their kids as the Father in heaven loves his children. You have that responsibility as a dad to display the gospel by loving your kids as the Father in heaven has loved you and has loved his children by sending his son to die for them and, with, and, and giving them the goodness of eternity, giving them the goodness of the gospel, securing them in his love forever. Dads, you have a responsibility to witness this in the home, using the authority that God has given you to declare this cosmic truth. What a responsibility we have. It, it should be mind-blowing that we can know the creator as father, as father, that that is the height of the gospel. That we have been adopted in Christ. And that we cry out to God, Abba, trusting that he will rescue us and take care of us and save us and deliver us. Father, that, that we have the responsibility, dads, to declare that to our children in the way that we relate to them. And this is why Paul immediately says this. You have, a, you have a position of authority. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. This is where he goes with dads. Because of what it's at stake and because of the danger of fatherly authority, we might say, He's, he wants to warn. You have a position of authority. And so he immediately goes to the negative. Do not provoke your children to anger because this is the tendency of what authority from a father often does in the home. The word provoke means to stir up. It means to irritate. The word anger means exasperation or frustration. Earlier in Ephesians uh, in our state of sin, we are called children of wrath. And, and what, what Paul is saying is, fathers, do not provoke your children to be children of wrath in a state of sin, in a state of out of control, frustration, exasperation, worn out, irritated. Don't do that to them with your authority. And, and the nature of this anger is directly related to the misuse of authority. Because there's two misuses of authority that fathers are guilty of in the home. 
The first is being overbearing and emotional. And the second is being distant and passive. We usually move in one of those two directions or extremes. Dads tend to be extremely overbearing. And what does that do to the child? It exasperates them. It causes them to be beat down and insecure about themselves. Also, dads, we tend to be passive, distant, and inconsistent. This leads to the child just being out of control. But both are descriptions of what it means to be exasperated and frustrated. There's no self-control. And this is what the, the misuse of authority from a dad does to children in the home. And here is the danger. This is why he zeroes in on fathers here. This concept of a father, this idea of having a father becomes exasperating to the child so that when the authority of God the Father shows up, they're repelled by it. It's not good news. This is why Paul says, don't provoke your children in that way. Dad, you have a responsibility not to exasperate them, not from yourself, but from God the Father. You have a responsibility to mimic and display God's love in a way that when he shows up in their life, his presence isn't a burden. His presence isn't a terror. His presence doesn't belittle them. His presence isn't a foreign concept to them. You have a responsibility to show the love of a father to your child in such a way when they hear that God can be their father, they're drawn to that, not repelled by it, not exasperated by it. So how do we do that? Well, over the years, and I'm not any kind of example to put on display here, I have way more flaws as a dad than I do successes. But one of the things that I, I've realized is, is one of the keys for dads is this. How, how do you overcome the overbearingness? How do you overcome the emotional outrage? How do you overcome the passive? What is the solution? What is the balance to that? And it comes down to one word for me, and it's presence. Presence. And I didn't say proximity. I said presence. It's not just you're in the room. You're in the room. You're a force in their life. You're a force with authority, but authority for their good. Presence communicates authority and love all at once. In your presence, there is an authority. And in your presence, there is love. And this is the summation of the gospel, right? That we live in the presence of God the Father forever. That we live in his presence and his love forever. Being in his presence is experiencing his love. And so dads, be present. And I'm not just saying be at home. I'm saying really be present. You're engaged in what's going on. And I, I hate to bring this up, but I think it's an important point that illustrates what I'm getting at. Anytime there is divorce, anytime, and a dad leaves, 
You will talk to the children. And one of the things they want to know is what did I do? A hundred percent of the time when I've been involved in situations, that's what goes on. Why is that? A father's presence is love. A father's absence is judgment. And they don't understand what they did. Maybe they didn't do anything. Well, they didn't. You can't communicate that to them because dad's communicating everything by not being there. It's sad and it's heartbreaking, but it illustrates the point and it makes it really simple, dads. Be there. And you, you be the one that steps in and says, these are the rules. These are the rules. And these are the consequences for breaking the rules. Not just mom, you. And they need to know if they disobey mom's rules, they're disobeying your rules. And you got consequences for them. You're not in the other room. Netflixing. You're not in the other room. Spreadsheets. You're not in the other room. Facebooking. When you hear the tiniest bit of chaos, you're present. You're present. You're there. But you're not there to scare them. You're there to love them for their good. I'm here because I love you. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. And you can be secure when I am here. A father's presence brings order. A a father's presence brings order for their good. And so children are secure when a father is present. Not just proximity, but presence. Absent father, chaos, insecurity. Be present. And because you have a flawed presence, You have to use your presence ultimately to be the authority in their life that communicates the greatest love ever. You are the one who must be articulating the gospel to them first and foremost. We often think this is mom's job. Oh, that's the spiritual feminine stuff. You get in there and nurture their little hearts to Jesus. They can do that when you're at work, when you're doing other things. But your children should first and foremost hear the gospel from you because you are the authority of love in their life and you are the presence of love in their life and they need to look into your eyes and see the gospel. You concretize the presence of God the Father and the gospel for them. So you need to be sharing the gospel with them. And some of you dads, you don't know how to do it. Let me tell you. You can write it down or you can go back to the Facebook live feed, YouTube, and listen to the sermon. But here, I'm just going to tell you how to do it. You are a sinner. Your little child, sweet little child, you're a sinner. You lie. You disobey. You violate clear commands that we have in our house. You're a sinner. Dad, you're the authority. You're communicating to them there is right and wrong in the world. And you can't do whatever you want. You are a little, sweet, cute, dirty, rotten sinner. But you are a sinner. And there are consequences for your sin. There are temporary consequences. You're going to be disciplined, chastised. You're going to lose privileges. 
Maybe you don't get to the switch. By switch, I mean the video game switch, <laughs> not the instrument of chastisement that my grandparents used. But there's also eternal consequences for sin. God judges sin in hell. But this is the gospel. Jesus died for your sin. And he lived in your place. I want you to look me in the eyes as the authority God has given in your life. Jesus died for your sins. Your children need to hear you say it. Jesus died for your sins and this is love. I do love you, but my Father in heaven loves you more than I do. Just tell them that. Go back, memorize what I just said, and say it to them. Because it defines who they are in the world and who they are in Christ. But they must have the face of their father in their face telling them the gospel. But ultimately, look, it is about disciple making. Notice he says, don't exasperate them, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Literally, raise them up, grow them, discipline them. The word discipline here is for train, practice, exercise. You are training and exercising in the instructions of the Lord. You're giving your children the instructions of the Lord, and you're doing the instructions of the Lord. All that Jesus commanded. We have a Bible. We have the New Testament to know what the Lord has instructed us, and we are to grow our children in the instruction of the Lord, practicing the commandments of the Lord. And I want to point one thing out right here. This refers to a long process of teaching your children to walk with Jesus. This is for moms too. Parenting is more than a moment. It is training. It is a process. It is a path that you are walking over a lifetime. You are walking with the Lord yourself. You're in the Lord, and you're saying to your kids, come join me. Let's walk in the Lord together. Let's walk with Jesus together. Let's walk with him. Let's walk in the Lord. And when they veer off the path, you go get them and say, no, 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 let's get back over here on the path. We're walking with the Lord. We're walking with Jesus. And you're praying that your children walk the path with you. You're praying that ultimately your children become your brothers and sisters in Christ. But you have to show them the path. You have to show them what that looks like. It's not a list. It's not a checklist. We got this done. We got this done. We moved up through the, all the programs at church. We won the Timothy Award. We went on the mission. It's not a list. It's we're walking with Jesus. Join me as I walk with Jesus. And so, parent, your purpose is not in the moment. It's in the path, right? We make the moment all there is. Oh, my goodness, he fell down on the path. And we all stop and we gather around. And, and no, we're, we got to pick them up and we got to move on. Maybe you're just packing to get on the path. Maybe you're still trying to get started on the path. You can't get everybody together on the path. Maybe you're broke down on a, in a ditch on the side of the path. Maybe you're here today and you're at the end of the path. Just make sure you're on the path. And you're asking your kids, come practice with me. Exercise the discipline instruction of the Lord. The Lord disciplines those who he loves. He corrects them. When they get off path, he pulls them back on. We need to do that. 
But God loves us and He is conforming us into the image of the Son and we are mimicking Him as He is conforming us into Jesus. And the truth is, He in Jesus is going to get us all on the path and He's going to get us all to the end. And it may look different at different times. There may be emotional outrage. There may be periods of, uh, of rebellion that you don't understand where they're coming from. There may be situations you just can't control. But we're on the path and we're pulling everybody along. And ultimately, Jesus is going to get us to the end. So don't focus in the moment where you are. Look ahead. Look ahead of where you're going. And your first responsibility is to be a disciple maker in the home. You can provide a lot of things for your kids, but you better get them on the path while you're on the path. You better be at least calling them to the path. But notice something here, and we'll finish. The patience of the Lord in this instruction of the Lord, on, in, in this progress, on this path, this training, this exercising, it is what quells the exasperation earlier. He says, don't provoke them to exa- exasperation, but train them in an, of another way. And, and, and it, it informs what we are to do as we train them. We are to give them the instruction of the Lord. Because by nature... Your children are going to tend to being exasperated just in general. And you give them the instruction of the Lord. They're going to be asking questions like this. Who am I and what is my purpose in the world? And they're going to be exasperated with those questions their whole life. The way that you answer that question is you say, all things are summed up in the Lord. You exist for Jesus. Let's serve Jesus together. Whatever else you do in life, as long as you serve Jesus, I'm going to be happy. Serve Jesus, God will be happy with you. They're going to have angst and turmoil as they reject Jesus as king. And you're going to tell them, no, you must submit to Jesus as king. Jesus is king and Jesus is Lord. And you're going to have turmoil and you're going to have frustration in your life until you bow before Jesus and you obey Jesus. They must understand the instruction that Jesus is the only risen Lord. Your children are going to walk through times of worry and anxiety. And you're going to have to tell them, you've got to look to Jesus. You've got to trust Jesus. It breaks my heart that you're scared right now. It breaks my heart that you're worried right now. But we've got to trust Jesus together. He is the one who has been raised from the dead. They're going to be exasperated with their sin. And you've got to tell them Jesus is Savior. So the instruction of the Lord, all things are summed up in Jesus. Serve him. Jesus is king. Obey him. Jesus is Lord. Trust him. Jesus is Savior. Believe in him. Parenting is not easy. It is the hardest thing that I do day in and day out. There's no question about it. It is the one thing that brings me the most joy. It is. As far, aside from being Danae's husband, let me make it clear. Take great joy in that. But as far as the work, the difficulty, the grit that it requires, and then looking back and saying, man, we made some progress here. It brings great joy. It's not easy, but it's simple because this is what I've learned as a parent. If my life is not summed up in Jesus, their life won't be, and my parenting won't be. 
And, and this, is, this is where the gospel comes in as parents. We parent from the wellspring of the gospel. In our most embarrassing moments, we have a father that's not embarrassed by us, but because of his son, he delights in us. I hope you believe that today. Let's pray.